Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'll show you mine. Warning, this podcast may contain filter-free oversharing, parenting fails, carb loading, more vodka than soda, and many, many Tom Hardy references. I'm often asked where I get inspiration from my stories from. Well, actually, that's not true. As yet, no one has actually asked me this. But in my imagination, however, it's one of the things that Michael Parkinson asked me as I'm sat opposite him. He's interviewing me about my JK Rowling like global publishing success. And we're having a lovely time chatting away. And of course, there have been several knee touches from both parties. Oh, Parky. Oh, on a side note, Michael Parkinson is actually one of my all-time heroes. I truly love him. Not in a Tom Hardy, clothes-off, hall-pass sort of way, uh, but more of a fully clothed, all-above-board way. I just think he is magnificent. I always wanted to be him. Well, a curly-haired female version of him anyway. I loved the way he could extract stories from his guests, and his show was my absolute favourite growing up. Fun fact, the music I chose for my podcast introduction was as close to the Parkinson theme that I could get without using the original and getting sued. Anyway, where were we? Oh yes, my story inspiration, that's right. Well, this particular ditty came to me yesterday while I sat in the car. No, it wasn't a bad parallel park or a song on the radio that set me off on my latest literary overshare. It was something sat on my passenger seat. Two small plastic things to be exact, a matching pair of stool sample jars. Try saying that sentence fast after a few vodkas. Over the years, I've given my fair share of samples, but all have been of the number one, not number two variety. Having had a funny tummy for the past few weeks, I'd gone to see my GP to see what it might be. It made my inner nine-year-old giggle when the doctor suggested I provide her with some stool samples and pulled out two small plastic containers that were brown. Poo brown! And then my nine-year-old caught up with my adult self and I realised the logic behind having a brown pot as opposed to the transparent plastic ones you give them for wheeze. Smart thinking, Batman. Back in my car, looking at the sample jars, I remembered an incident many years ago. Back in my early 20s and fresh from uni, I was working with a great gang in the northwest of England. One of my best mates at the time was Big Joe, who I worked with. Now, to clarify, Big Joe was so named as two Joes had started the company around the same time. One was six foot two and one was five foot five. The office had renamed them Big and Little Joe. Yes, genius. Big Joe and I both single at the time, had decided to go on a last-minute holiday together. A week in sunny Portugal was booked, suntan lotion bought and some ill-fitting swimwear purchased. The obligatory annual bikini line trim was done so as not to scare the locals on the beach with our Chewbacca bits poking out of the side of our bikinis. Brits abroad! 
cheap paperback romances to read, cocktails to drink and sunburn, here we come. Big Joe and I had recently seen the comic Eddie Izzard perform his latest stand-up show and we were those annoying people that were able to recite the whole routine to each other. This comedic banter continued on our holidays and using a phrase from Mr Izzard's show, we aptly renamed our newfound favourite restaurant, Fishy Bob's. They cooked good fish there, so why not? On the penultimate day before we flew home, we'd had a cracking feed at Fishy Bob's. It was well lush. Well, it was until it decided to come back out of me with guns blazing. Both ends gushing like a fireman's hose is never fun. Thank God for the Europeans and their love of a B-Day. Never one to wash the back and front bottom in one. It did, however, come in very handy while the food poisoning struck. My bottom end was fixed on the loo and top end bent over the B-Day. A rough 12 hours ensued. But finally, the vomiting ceased. What a relief. The relief was short-lived, though, when I realised the spasms and back-end gushing hadn't finished. Big Joe and I weren't flash for cash, and we couldn't afford to miss our flight back home, so I literally had to push through and get on the plane. Luckily, we were seated close to the bathrooms. By this stage, the spasms were coming in waves and were finally slowing down. I managed to survive the four-hour journey, thankfully. Then, just as the seatbelt sign went on, and the captain informed us we were about to start our descent into Manchester, a tsunami-sized wave hit. Oh, dear Lord, no. Not now. The seatbelt sign was screaming red and even the air hostesses were strapped in. The plane was literally minutes from touchdown, but so was something else. And for the sake of my pride and the other passengers, I had to get to the toilets. I felt like I was going head to head in a Mexican standoff with the air hostesses. How quickly could I undo the seatbelt and bolt to the toilet? Could I make it before she told me I couldn't leave my seat? Oh, it was like that scene in The Bodyguard where Kevin Costner stops the assassin and jumps in front of Whitney Houston and takes the bullet for her. Now, I'm not sure who I am in that scenario, to be honest. The assassin, Whitney or Kev. In slow motion, I launched myself at the toilet as the two air hosties tried to stop me. I just made it and with one hand I bolt the door and the other I pull my trousers down. Bingo! All outcoming traffic ended up in the toilet bowl and not on row 25 seat B. The hostess was banging on the door shouting at me. Apparently it's against health and safety regulations for me to be in the bathroom as the plane lands. Sadly though, as I knew there was more to come, I was not moving. I tried to explain through the toilet door and over the noise of the plane's wheels coming down. I couldn't move and I take full responsibility if something happened to me. As we landed, I got into the brace position. A few bumps and then we screeched to a stop. And as the pilot brought the plane down in a very smooth fashion, I was unhurt. Unlike the toilet bowl, I waited on the loo until I was sure the plane had emptied and I came out to face the music. Apparently, it's illegal to be in the loo when the plane lands and I feared I was about to get hit with a huge fine or a lifelong ban. But luckily, I looked so rough, I was allowed off the flight with just a minor telling off. Once back in Manchester and still feeling awful, I called the doctor. He told me I needed to go to the hospital immediately in case I had contracted some hideous foreign killer bug that was eating me from the inside out. 
well, he might not have described it exactly like that. Uh, He told me I would get all my bloods tested, but I would need to take a sample with me to the hospital later that morning. Now, my tiny studio apartment wasn't very well stocked in the Tupperware department, and when it came to containers, I was very limited. But at this stage, fearing I was about to die, I had to make do. My boss and good friend Simon came to pick me up, rather than me getting a taxi to the hospital. I felt like death. I'd put the sample in Simon's car boot, and off we went. When I finally got to the emergency department, I explained my story to the nurse on reception. I also told her I'd brought my sample as a doctor had suggested. She asked me to fill out a form and to give her the sample. So I did. She then proceeded to burst out laughing. Apparently, I was the only person she'd ever seen bring a stool sample in a casserole dish. Fast forward to now and my two sample pots on my car seat. My best mate and I had an in-depth chat that night over dinner about how best to collect the sample. It's not like a number one sample, easy to catch in a jar and not the end of the world if you get some on your hands. The same can't be said about number twos. My friend came up with a genius suggestion. Put glad wrap over the bowl and collect the necessary bits. Not bad. Luckily for me, once I had the sample pots to fill, my tummy miraculously got better. And so they both remain in the side of the car passenger seat. 20 years later, and with more plastic containers in my kitchen than a 1970s Tupperware party, I really appreciate the medical design behind the brown pots and I only wish they'd been around when I needed them. And I do still really miss that casserole dish. Thanks for coming. If you'd like more, be sure to subscribe. Visit me at catherinemahoney.com or check me out on socials at Catherine Mahoney. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.